This is an SJC Radio production. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Pit Stop with Mr. Bird on SJC Radio. Welcome to episode 20 of season 8 of Pit Stop. In this week's episode, I'm going to be talking to Stephen about his recent trip to Thruxton for the British Superbikes. And I'm going to be talking about and sharing my thoughts about the Austrian MotoGP weekend. Right, okay, so um, Stephen, you went to Thruxton. Uh, for the British Superbikes. Before we talk about your uh, personal experiences of going to Thruxton, can you tell us uh, about uh, the results? Yes, it was um, a very good weekend for Jason O'Halloran on the Macam's Yamaha. He did the treble um, and he is very experienced uh, around Thruxton and won uh, won two races last year as well. Um, one of the surprise results was the Hawk uh, Honda rider, Charlie Nesbitt, who's a rookie for this season. And he podiumed in all three races. Uh, they were his first podiums ever. And he did, uh, he did one in each race. And that was, that was an amazing uh, result. Talking about uh, rookies, Charlie did really well. Ch- uh, the, uh, the, the young rider on the Kawasaki, K- uh, Kawasaki. Uh, yes, um, Ma- Max Cook. Yeah, he was a real revelation yeah. because um, I was surprised that he was actually on that bike because he was the junior superstock champion last yeah. year, which is one or two runs below superbike, and he's gone straight from there to a competitive superbike. And I wasn't sure um, if that was a good move, but actually at Thruxton, it, it proved to be uh, unbelievable, you know, th- th- and uh, a real surprise. Yeah, um, a a Browns Hatch wasn't quite so good because he was uh, competitive with his with his teammate but of course they were a bit further back but in this particular race they were well up the order but no absolutely amazing um for a rookie un- unbelievable he was unbelievable. he was unlucky not to get a podium because in all three races he was at at the front wasn't he and i think he he was indeed yes he was indeed but i think i think the problem with 
that was that he was inexperienced in that if you race too hard at the yeah. front um that will be your downfall and him ryan vickers i mean particularly the the omg yamaha uh, teammates um they were battling each other really quite aggressively yeah. i thought and i thought goodness me is that, is that the wisest thing to do in, in the sort of first quarter or first sort of third of the race um and the yamahas uh, sorry the the kawasaki's were as well so i think um it's all very well racing at the front at Thruxton, but you will pay the price later on in the race. And I, I understood it more this time because being trackside, you realise just how, and you see it on TV as well, but particularly when you're there, I mean, the first corner of Allard's, for yeah. example, you're, you're cranked over for such a long time. And I suddenly realised, I suddenly realised why the tyres wear so much because you're on the side of, particularly the right-hand side of the tyre for so yeah. long. I mean, you, 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 I mean, there's a large part of the circuit is made up of, it's almost a continuous right-hander, isn't it? From Goodwood, Village and Church is one long, enormous right-hander, isn't it? And, it is. It really spending, is. That's right. And and, and you... They're, they're spending so much time on the side of the tyre, aren't they? They are exactly right. And if you're battling, you're, you're, you're putting even more stress into the tyre, so you're going to wear it out quicker. The other day, uh, when we are talking about, I think, maybe the Brands Hatch round, and we were looking ahead to the... Thruxton round, I, I, I think I made the point that Tommy Bridewell, who has been dominating this season on the Ducati, he wasn't very confident about doing well at Thruxton because Ducatis have never gone well there before. And that's how it panned out. I mean, they, they were nowhere, weren't they, the, the Ducatis? Yeah, yeah, very much. It was very strange because I, I, he didn't qualify very well at all, but I thought oh, he'll make his way through the field. I couldn't understand why he was so pessimistic at Brandsatz because they they, they got the straight line speed, but they were absolutely yeah. moribund in about 11th, 12th, yeah. 13th position. Him and Glenn were sort of swapping places, but could not make forward progress. Like, it, it, it was astonishing to yeah. see, actually, two great riders. They could not go forward. It's, yeah, it was amazing. I'm listening amazing. To, the, to the commentators on Eurosport. Um, it, it's all about edge grip. Uh, um, yes. So obviously the, the Yamahas, you know, work particularly well when most of the lap is spent on the side of the tyre and, and the Ducatis don't. I think I, th I, I think that's it. And, and I think the Yamahas seem to work very well. There's no surprise that um, well, Jason was on one, um, the two OMGs, and also um, uh, uh, Kennedy was up there on the Martrain Yamaha as well towards the yeah. end. So they all seem to go well, the Yamahas do. But yeah, the, the, the Ducatis, I think, yes, you're right, there's, there's not enough upright um, time yeah. for the Ducatis to... to to bring in that yeah. speed well you know what was interesting watching all three races well particularly the the last race very strange watching a race um when the person when you know the person in 12th place is going to win i'm talking really about race three here yes um because race three was identical to race two that o'halloran was running i don't know on the maybe qualified 12th or whatever and he just made his way to the front. Um, that's, that's right. I think having having seen it in the first race, you, we sort of expected it in the second race, but he left it even later. Yeah. And there was, a, 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 and, and although we had a view on the um, on the screen, we were trackside at the complex, and uh, 
just seeing it, but we thought, gosh, has he left it yeah. too late now? Because it wasn't really until three quarters of the race, lap 15, he just started to make his move. And there was a point there we thought, hmm, has yeah. he left it too late? Well, um, but it was it was an absolute masterclass. Well, I have to say, it, it was racecraft. It was a, a, just a textbook piece yeah. of racecraft. It was really interesting, particularly in, in the latter stages of, of the races, how faster he was around Goodwood um, Village and Church and every lap he was overtaking people into church with ease. He was. That, that, that was his favourite. So much um, faster taking than that section of the race he was. he was. It was very impressive. And, and goodness me, it's fast. I mean, you, you, you see them. I haven't been to Thruxton for, for, for many years, but you, you see them eating up the horizon as you see them going and dipping down through church. But it's so fast through there. And, and church is just... To, and to, oh, you know, to go through church is, you know, is amazing anyway. But to overtake into church is just... What it defies yeah. belief, really, but he was doing it all the time and made it look easy. Can you tell us about what you experienced or how you got, how you did the weekend and what you saw and what have you? Yeah, a bit, bit different to Browns Hatch in a way. I hadn't pre booked a ticket. Um, the plan was only to go on the Sunday, uh, not for both days like I did at Browns Hatch. I didn't buy a ticket in advance because I, with the weather as it's been, I think had it been a very, very, a very wet day, you know, that, that, that there was a decision to make in the morning, but as it was, it was a, actually a lovely day, yeah. um, and the ticket prices are quite reasonable anyway. So, how much? Bought a ticket on the how day. much was um, the ticket? Can you remember? Uh, I think it was thirty-six pounds on the that's, day, so I thought quite reasonable for, for four days racing. That's very good. Um, it is good, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, but, but VSP's always always been good value. Um, met up with uh, Robin, my, my mate, who uh, I went to Brands Hatch with, and um, we did. We wanted to sort of experience various parts of the track and. From the last time I was there, they've extended the viewing around to, um, well, it, as, as you exit the complex, it's the sort of long sort of right-hander. Then there's, a, then there's the left-hander before good. the... Yeah, it's good. yeah and you, so you can view over that, actually. And, and that's a new viewing bank since I was yeah. there. So we did actually make our way all the way down there for, for the support races. Um, and that gives you a very different uh, view. You can, you can see, actually really two-thirds or three-quarters of the track, actually, which is it's quite a good... But the, the only downside was it was incredibly windy Oh, because you're, you're quite and high up, wind, aren't you, at that time? You are, and it was a head-on wind. It was really almost almost too yeah. windy, really. <laughs> to, uh, but it was it was good to see that part of the track. Um, and we saw some of the support races there. That that was very good. Um, and we ended up seeing both Superbike races uh, from the entry to the complex the yes. first race we were up at up at the fence in the breaking zone to yeah. the complex that was amazing and then on the second week we were, we were similar back up the bank to see a, 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 a which i think is what i think probably is one of the best spots to watch from there and actually a spot i've watched years before when i've been to thruxton so it, i end up always end up there and yeah. that seems to be the from, best from place that, but um, from there you can see almost the whole track aren't you you can, yeah. You can see the horizon. They go out of sight as they go through church because it's a bit of a dip, and you can see them coming up um, Woodham Hill. Um, so you can see a, a, lot, a lot of the track from there. It's a great place to watch. And then towards the end of the day, we made our way, actually, uh, for the sidecars, which is the last race of the day. We watched from the chicane, yeah. from the outside from the chicane. That was, that, that was very good as well. So you can see them coming towards you up Woodham Hill into the chicane. So we got, really, we saw really everywhere you can go, really, at Thruxton, um, sort of one one extreme to the other, um, and it was very very good. I think um, I just forgotten how fast it was. I know it's Britain's fastest track, but you, until you're there, you you just don't appreciate how fast it is. It's an amazing yeah. place. Excellent.
course, it, it sounds like it was a great weekend. It, w it was a great day. It, it really was. And um, um, B BSB is always great value, but it's also great racing. Yeah. And uh, um, I'm hoping to get to, to a few more. I'm going to the last race at Brands Hatch, but next year, happy to do a few Talk more. Talking about that last race at Brands Hatch, I, I think I'm tempted to go to that. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's all like the, I mean, J Jason has moved his way up to third place. He's now 50 points behind, so he's halved his deficit. You know, maybe this is where his season, you know, starts. And um, I think it's going to be, uh, I think it'll go all but the also way. What, what they've done this year, they, they, they've com completely changed the, they've got rid of the shootout, haven't they? And what, what they're doing this year is the amount of points available for a win. I think changes throughout the season so as we get to the last couple of races or maybe the last race itself the number of points available for a win is much larger than in the early part of the season to try and make it to try and get the sort of grandstand finish at brands hatch that's right at the moment it's only 18 points from whereas it used to be 25 yeah. that's i think that probably yeah. wraps up um our sort of bsb bit so um thank you for that Stephen. <laughs> I'm now going to talk about the Austrian MotoGP. Results and championship standings. Moto3. Moto3 was won by Dennis Onshu with Holgado in second and Sasaki in third. I'm going to give the race a five-star rating. Um, there was great battling amongst the leading group of four riders. And it all came down to the last corner when Onshu uh, overtook uh, Holgado. In the championship, Holgado remains top on 161 points ahead of Sasaki who's on 135 and Onshu on 124. Moto2. The Moto2 result was a bit of a surprise. Uh, in first place was Celestino Vietti. That's his first win of the season and his first win since Barcelona last year. Second place was Acosta and third was Agura. Going to give the race four stars. It was a really good Moto2 race. One of those races where uh, Vietti kind of came through the field. He was about fifth in the early stages and eventually made his way uh, to the front of the field. Acosta led most of the race. Uh, I think his tyres went off towards the end. But uh, yeah, a, a really good Moto2 race. Some Moto2 races, as we know from pre previous rounds, can be a little bit uneventful, but this was a really good one. Acosta is now leading it leading the championship. He took the championship lead at Silverstone, I think. He's on 176. Arbolino is on 164 in second. But Arbolino, but Arbolino had another off weekend. He was nowhere at Silverstone and he only managed sixth in Austria. So the way things are going, um, I, I know the points difference between Acosta and Arbolino is, what is it? It's 12. But I'd be very surprised if Acosta doesn't win the championship. It does seem that Arbolino's challenge is, is fading somewhat. Getting a MotoGP ride for next year. Footnote, Tony Arbolino has signed to stay in Moto2 for 2024. MotoGP. In the sprint race, Bagnaia was first, Binder was second, Martin was third. Results were very similar. In the main race, um, Bagnaia again was first, Binder again was second. Uh, but Bezeki was third. I'm going to award both the sprint race and the main race uh, a one-star rating. 
unfortunately not a lot happened in either race uh in both of them Bagnaia took the lead the first corner and that was pretty much it Bagnaia made no mistakes nobody was able to challenge him and of course in the main race uh, we had the issue with tire pressures so once Bagnaia had established a bit of a lead the field got spread and that was pretty much all she wrote sprint race there were a few incidents unfortunately the race was ruined a bit by a first corner melee caused by Jorge Martin there's not much else to say really it was a duff sprint race a duff MotoGP very similar to Mugello um, my slight concern is that we've had this is the second duff race we've had it does seem that with the uh, with the error on these bikes and the issues with and the subsequent issues with uh, tire pressures uh, the racing is not as good as it used to be which is a shame championship wise Bagnaia has got it in the bag really um, his, his two wins uh, from Austria extended his lead to 62 points over Martin so yeah most of GP is done and dusted Man of the Match Okay, let's have a think. Moto3 uh, contenders must be Dennis Onchu, obviously, uh, for such a good win. Um, on the subject of Dennis Onchu, he's just been signed for the IOKTM team in Moto2 next year. That is the top Moto2 team, so that's really good news for him. Um, a lot of people think that he'll make a really good Moto2 rider. Well, back to contenders for Man of the Match. Anybody else in Moto3? Colin Veyer, um, he's a rookie in Moto3 this year. He was in that group of four at the front. I think he finished fourth in the end. Other contenders, let's have a look at MotoGP itself. You could say Bagnaia rode a perfect race, but he didn't overtake anybody. Perfection is boring anyway. Darren Bender. Correction, Brad Bender. Uh, the only one who took it to Bagnaia, he could be a contender. But on this occasion, man of the match goes to a Moto2 rider, and that is Celestino Vietti. Now, Celestino Vietti last year dominated the, the first part of the, the season. In fact, he was leading the championship, I think, up until midway, and um, he couldn't stop winning. Uh, that was up until Barcelona, which was his last win uh, last year. After that, he couldn't stop crashing. I think he had seven crashes in a row. And this year, he hasn't featured in the front at all. I think his best result was about a, was a fifth, I think. So uh, for him to, to win, um, and win in such style, I mean, he didn't lead from the front. He had to you know, overtake sort of about five riders. Um, it's a fantastic result, fantastic ride. Yeah, he is our man of the match. Biggest surprise. Surprises in Moto3, well, I mentioned him already, Colin Veyer, that was a surprise. I mean, you could argue that uh, Vietti's win in Moto2 was the biggest surprise. I mean, that really was the biggest surprise. But in the interests of sharing the awards around, uh, this time it goes to a rider in MotoGP. And that was the performance over the weekend of Paul Espargaro. Now, Paul Espargaro uh, has only just come back from injury. Uh, he raced at Silverstone for the first time since his big crash in Portimao. Um, in Austria, he qualified 13th. Um, ahead of um, Augusto Fernandez, his teammate, 
And, I mean, the biggest surprise was his performance in the sprint race where he finished sixth. Um, nobody was expecting that. In fact, I was expecting Paul Espagro to be well off the pace. Um, so the fact that he's come back uh, after some very serious injuries and is so competitive, uh, I mean, it, it's amazing. So, yeah, he gets our surprise of the race. Biggest disappointment. Well, you could argue that the biggest disappointment was both the Moto GP sprint and main race, uh, which were hugely disappointing. But if we're going for the performance of an individual rider, well, you might say, you know, the usual Mark Marquez, but um, Mark Marquez, through no fault of his own, has been a disappointment for uh, quite a few races now. That's due to the uncompetitiveness of the uh, Honda um, on the subject of all things Honda um, in fact this, this this should have been under biggest surprises actually old um, da, 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 Johan Zarco um, has signed for LCR Honda next season I, 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 I can't believe this I, I find it absolutely extraordinary that he's decided to leave the best bike, Ducati, uh, to ride on the worst bike, uh, a Honda. Um, I, words fail me. Um, I, I don't know what he's doing. I mean, uh, Zarco had a disastrous time about four years ago when he was uh, on the KTM. In fact, he hated it so much, he left mid-season. You would have thought that Zarco might have learned from that experience. Um, but hey-ho. Right, back to... Uh, Disappointments. I just mentioned Marquez. Yeah, I'm going to go for Maverick Vinales. Um, he qualified on the front row, which was amazing. But as is often the case, uh, he got off to terrible starts in both races, and particularly in the in the sprint race, where he went backwards. And I think he got, as a result, he got caught up in that that first corner carnage, carnage in the sprint race. But um, what we really needed uh, in Austria was a competitive Vinales on race day. I mean, he might have been able to take it to Banyaya. I mean, had Vinales got into the lead, uh, you know, he might have been able to sort of um, to, to get away. But, um, yeah, it's hugely disappointing, you know, when we need other you know, riders to step up and take the challenge to Banyaya. That Vinales, when he qualifies on the front row of the grid, isn't able to perform uh, come race day. Highlight of the weekend. I mean, o overall, despite the paucity of the MotoGP races, um, I mean, it was a fantastic event. I mean, the weather was uh, was really good, <laughs> unlike Silverstone. Uh, there was a massive crowd there, which is great. And um, there was a fantastic atmosphere uh, before the start of the race. Um, they had, they played, it was a rock band actually, played the Austrian National Anthem, which was a bit different. But uh, there was clearly a fantastic atmosphere there. And uh, it's just as well, the, the Moto3 and Moto2 races actually put on a really good show. Um, for me, the highlight, I've mentioned them already, but the fact that Celestino winning that Moto2 race was definitely a highlight for me. But I think we've got to give it to the Moto3 race, uh, which I gave... Uh, five stars to and I'm going to give it to I think the last corner of the Moto3 race uh, where Onshu took the lead yeah that's the highlight for Austria Best Paddock Gossip 
And this one's an absolute cracker. Um, so the rumour is, well, it's not a rumour, we know that KTM want to uh, take up the uh, two remaining slots on the grid, which were vacated by uh, Suzuki. And this would solve um, the problem that KTM has, which is they've got five riders signed for next season, but only four seats available. Dorna, the governing body, are very keen that that goes to a new manufacturer as opposed to a sort of satellite KTM team. Um, but uh, what KTM wants to do um, is, well, this, so the rumour goes, is they want to um, put a, an MV Augusta team on the grid. Now, MV Augusta are owned by KTM. And rumour has it that the riders on that, on those bikes, would be Pedro Acosta and, would you believe it, Mark Marquez. Um, now, is this fantasy? I don't know. But apparently KTM do have some bargaining uh, power here uh, because Dorna um, are quite keen to give concessions to Honda and Yamaha to make the Japanese manufacturers competitive again. But in order for those concessions to happen, uh, they've got to have unanimous agreement from the other manufacturers. So um, if KTM aren't allowed to field a sort of a satellite sort of MV Augusta team, then they might say, or they will say no to allowing a Yamaha and Honda to have concessions. So it would be a dream, I think, for all of us if, you know, Acosta and Marquez were on the grid on MV Augustas. Um, whether it becomes reality or not, I, I guess uh, I guess time will tell. Now that pretty much wraps up uh, my review of the Austrian uh, MotoGP meeting. Just some um, late news. Uh, I read uh, this morning that Jake Dixon is going to stay uh, with his gas gas team in Moto2. Um, I thought he might switch across to the uh, IO uh, KTM team, which, as I said before, is, is the top team in, in that category. So I, I guess the, the, the question is, who's going to be on the other um, IO KTM uh, bike? Uh, so they, they've signed Dennis Onchu for next year. Now, I think they're going to need a rider, a very experienced rider. Um, I wouldn't be at all surprised. Uh, this isn't based on any, any rumours that I've heard or, or, or read about. But I know that Aaron Canet, uh, I think the Pons Moto2 team are sort of... Um, are not continuing next year so Aaron Cannon would be available I think he'll be a really good choice for uh, the KTM team having a very experienced Moto2 rider and a competitive one uh, alongside uh, a rookie in the form of Dennis Onchu. Um, I mentioned earlier about Johan Zarco um, deciding to, to move from uh, Pramac Ducati to um, LCR Honda. Now, of course, this leaves uh, a Honda seat, sorry, not a Honda seat, a, a Ducati seat uh, available. Um, so who, who's going to take that seat? Uh, my immediate thoughts are, well, surely Mar Marquez must be favoured to take that seat. 
Or what about Franco Morbidelli? Oh, he's a possibility as well. Here's a random thought. What about Bautista moving from well, Superbikes to Pramac Ducati? And Morbidelli moving to World Superbikes to replace Bautista. That, that's just a random thought. I'm sure that won't happen. It's quite a busy weekend of motorsport coming up. We've got uh, European Le Mans series from Aragon in Spain. Uh, IndyCar from Gateway. We've got IMSA from Virginia International Raceway now. As you probably know, I'm a big fan of the IMSA Championship. However, um, the Virginia round doesn't include the GTP cars. It's only for the GT Daytona category. So I probably won't watch that. Although Virginia International Raceway is a brilliant racetrack. Um, there's also Formula One from Zandvoort. I won't be watching that, even though I think Zandvoort is a cracking racetrack one of the few examples of a racetrack which has been improved uh, with the reintroduction of uh, formula one um i'll obviously take interest in, in in what happens i'm sure verstappen will win as he always does but i certainly won't be watching uh, any of it we'll be back uh, maybe two or three weeks time there is a motor gp coming up in two weeks um well slightly less than two weeks now that is from barcelona and then the week following that, it's the San Marino uh, MotoGP, which I'm going to. So they'll obviously be, we'll do uh, a podcast uh, after that for sure. We may or may not do one beforehand. Okay, well, thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pit Stop with Mr. Bird. There's a few new things I want to make you aware of. We've got a new website, which you can find by going online to shows.acast.com forward slash pitstop, where you can also find links to our Twitter and uh, on the About page, more information about the hosts as well. We're also on lots more platforms in addition to where you're listening to us now. So we're now on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Apple Podcasts and Amazon Music and lots more, as well as TuneIn like we've been on since we started. So head over to those platforms to subscribe on the most convenient one for you and find all our back catalogue of episodes to listen to again as well.